podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL roundtable feed. So just search EPL roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Thursday, the 16th of March, back and better than ever, although not so much. I had hoped, I had hoped that coming back today, I would still be able to revel in Liverpool 7, Manchester United nil, And I just can't. Because Liverpool nil, Bournemouth won, Liverpool nil, Real Madrid won, has just sucked the life out of me. God damn it. Anyway, not to worry. We've got loads to get through today. Uh, This might be a bit of a long one. Uh, Tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. 
so I won't be here. Uh, so back for a day, gone for a day. Uh, we'll be back next week as normal from Monday, and we're just going to start running with it from there. But uh, today we're going to look at last night's Premier League game, two games, last night's Champions League games, tonight's Europa League and Europa Conference League games. Uh, we'll do some gossip. We will then go to break. We will have Guy Drinkle join us after the break to go over this weekend's game so I can get all my predictions wrong again. And, um, yeah, I think that's probably it, unless we have some questions. Let's see. I think we might have a couple of questions. Uh, Yes, we do. We do indeed. We have some questions, so we'll get to them as well. We're going to do the whole lot. Right, let's get going. Southampton nil, Brentford 2, big, big defeat for Southampton. They needed the win last night. and They were just outclassed, outthought, and beaten by a better team. Ivan Tony put Brentford one up on 32 minutes. Uh, nicely worked corner, flicked on the front post, and Ivan Tony round the back to finish very simply. And Johan Wiesa made it 2 on 97 minutes, it's just a long ball. It's a Tony flick on and Weiss through one-on-one. Where Southampton's defence was is a mystery to everybody. Uh, Wisa finishes quite comfortably. It would have been worse if not for Gavin Basunu. He made two really good saves in the game. Southampton had one shot on target. David Ray had dealt with it very comfortably. All in all, very, very disappointing. The the biggest moment for Saints, actually, it wasn't David Rea. What am I thinking? It was Aaron Hickey cleared it off the line. That was literally it. Aaron Hickey cleared one off the line. Other than that, Saints didn't trouble Southampton at all. What's the fellow's name? Ward Prowse had a free kick that went well wide and commentators tried to make a big deal of it. Other than that, Southampton were garbage. And they look like a team that is going to go down. Uh, Brighton won Crystal Palace nil. Big win for Brighton. That's a rivalry game. Solly March with the only goal of the game on 15 minutes. Great work by Matoma to slide him through. And March finishes really well. Brighton probably should have scored another couple. Welbeck had a good chance. McAllister got into a couple of good positions. But all in all, Brighton are going to be really happy with that result. And what that does then for the table is it moves Brighton level on points with Liverpool with a game in hand, two points behind Newcastle, same number of games in hand, game, games played, six points behind Spurs with two games in hand. Brighton are eighth. One point behind, sorry, Brentford are eighth, one point behind Brighton, and they've played a game more. Uh, but they're now ahead of Fulham, They're now four points clear of Chelsea with the same number of games played. This season is going very, very well for both Brentford and Brighton. Two very well-run clubs. Two clubs that just know how to operate. And two managers that I think are among the best in the league in in Thomas Frank and Roberto De Zerbi. A lot of good players at both clubs. I think we probably will see one or two big departures from both in the summer. Brighton will probably lose Levi Colwell because I think if Chelsea decide to sell him, I think the price will be too rich for Brighton. 
Brighton probably should have insisted on getting him in the Kukurea deal last summer. But I think now that price will be too high. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Chelsea sold him. So I think they'll lose him and I think they could lose Alexis McAllister. I know he signed a new contract before the World Cup, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was just a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge, handshake deal. You get a bump in money and we'll get more money when we sell you in the same summer we were going to sell you anyway. For Brentford, it wouldn't surprise me if Ivan Tony moved on. And I think there might be a couple of teams that look at David Rea. I'm not a huge fan, but I could see him being an upgrade for Spurs, for example, even if not necessarily the upgrade that they need. So that is our Premier League action from last night. In the Champions League, uh, Liverpool lost to Real Madrid. If you want to hear my thoughts on it, um, I I assure you, you don't. But you can listen to the Daily Red or you can listen to post-match Raw from last night on Anfield Index. In the other game, Napoli 3, Eintracht Frankfurt 0. This game was tarnished by clashes between the fans before the game on the streets of Naples. It did appear that it was the Eintracht fans that instigated it and the Napoli fans who reacted, but I don't want to get involved. Uh, so, you know, pick your side. Uh, Victor Osman with two goals here on 47. It's just before half time, and then on 53, and that's game over because Napoli had the 2-0 lead from the first leg. That made it four, and then Piotr Zielinski made it 3-0 on the night, 5-0 on aggregate with a penalty on 64 minutes, and that was all she wrote. Napoli are going to be really hard to beat in this competition because they're very strong defensively and they're lethal going forward. Osman and Kvaratskhelia are, I think, the most lethal attacking combination in Europe right now. I'd even put them above Vinny and Benzema based on this season. Apolitano's playing an important role. Zielinski gets involved. And then Lobotka and Zambo just keep everything running in midfield. Lots of power, lots of ball winning. Very, very impressive. The centre-back pairing, Ramani and Kim, have been incredible this season. Alex Murray is showing the type of goalkeeper he is. And Di Lorenzo's been probably the best right-back in Europe this year. I'm not a big fan of Marco Rui, but he is he's solid. He's 6 out of 10 most weeks. And then they've got good squad options. That's They're not just limited to the 11 that, that start. They've got really good squad options. They brought on Tanguy and Dembele last night. They bring on Giovanni Simeone, Herving Lozano, who often starts right wing, Elif Elmas, who's a very, very talented midfielder. This is a, a very good, very deep Napoli team. And they're running away with Serie A. And... They're going to have that wrapped up quite soon. They're 18 points clear with 12 games to go with an enormous goal difference advantage over Inter and Lazio. In fact, their goal difference of plus 44 domestically is double what anyone else can boast. Juventus and Lazio are both plus 22. Napoli have only conceded 16 goals in 26 games. Best in the league. Next best would be Lazio in 19 They've scored 60 goals, best in the league. Next best would be Inter with 47. So they're out in front in every category. Only two defeats in the league all season. They have been phenomenal. Phenomenal. Since since August, they just have not let up. And they're going to wrap the league up fairly soon. 
And at that point, they can focus in on the Champions League. Now, a lot will depend, obviously, on the draw. But I don't think anyone wants to see Napoli in the draw. I really don't think anyone wants to see them in the quarterfinals. So we have Benfica, Chelsea, Bayern, Milan, Inter, Manchester City, Napoli and Real Madrid. I think the four favourites are Real, Napoli, City and Bayern. And I think if they stay apart in the quarterfinal stage, that's when the semifinals will look really good. If those four can get through, I don't trust Chelsea. I, I don't trust Milan. I don't trust Inter. And Benfica have been good, but let's be fair, without Enzo, they're not the same threat. Um, having a very good domestic season, no question. They're eight points clear of Benfica. And Florentino Luis continues to be super impressive in midfield for them. But I don't think they've got what it takes to get through if they play one of the big four. If they get Inter or Milan or even Chelsea, then I think they can get through. But I'm looking at City, Real, Napoli and Bayern as the final four if they stay apart in the quarterfinals. And I think Napoli and Real are probably my two favourites to win it. City look impressive or looked impressive against Leipzig without question but how often have they looked impressive this season if we're being honest they haven't Haaland gets five goals in a game tremendous he scores ludicrous amounts of goals but he has made City worse this season as a team now maybe he just explodes from here to the end of the season they go on and win the Champions League and they win the Premier League but I still have doubts. I still have some doubts. Uh, Let's move on then. Tonight in the Europa League, we have early kickoffs and late kickoffs. In the early kickoffs, Europa League, Freiburg versus Juventus. Juve lead 1-0 from the, uh, the first leg. This should be a good game. I quite like Freiburg. I really like Christian Strike, the manager. I think he's really good. Um... I think they're a club that are admirable. I think they're like the German equivalent of a Brighton kind of, you know, well-run, smart decisions. They develop their own talent. They sell them. They reinvest. They do things quite well. Uh, But I think Juventus probably find their way through. This is probably Juve's only opportunity to get Champions League football next season is to win this competition. So, um, yeah, I think they've got to get through. Uh, Feyenoord... Versus Shakhtar Donetsk, 1-1 from the first leg. That's a finely balanced game. A fancy final to go through at home. They're having a very good season. I believe they're still comfortable in the Eredivisie. Not so comfortable, only three points. But yeah, they've won five in a row in domestic league. In domestic league. I, I fancy them to go through there. Uh, Manchester United away to Real Betis with a 4-1 lead. United will breeze through. Fenerbahce versus Sevilla. Sevilla won the first leg 2-0. I expect Sevilla to advance. Then in the 8pm kickoffs, we've got Ferenc Varos versus Leverkusen. Leverkusen 2-0 up from the first leg. You'd expect them to go through. Real Sociedad versus Roma. Roma 2 up from the first leg. This one will be 
a good game of football. Real Sociedad are always enjoyable to watch, but I do think Roma will find the way through. Uh, Union St. Gelisa versus Union Berlin. 3-3 in the first leg, absolutely belting game. Um, this one should be another fun game. Neither of these teams are are scared. Neither of these teams will take a backward step. I think that's going to be a good game. The game of the night, though, I think is Arsenal versus Sporting. 2-2 in the first leg. Arsenal obviously competing on two fronts, having a great season under Arteta. Should go through at home. They are the better team. But Sporting caused them problems in the first game. Didn't have Manuel Ugarte in midfield. They'll have him back tonight. And he is the type of midfielder that causes Arsenal a lot of trouble with his physicality, his ball winning and his aggression. It's probably the last hurrah for some of these sporting players because I think Ugarte and Inacio are probably moving on this summer. I also think the manager, Ruben Amaram, will move on this summer. I think there'll be top clubs coming in for him. I think it's going to be a belter of a game, though. I really do. I think Arsenal Sporting or the Battle of the Unions is is the way to go in the late kickoff. In the early one, I think I'd lean Feyenoord Shakhtar. If you're watching Europa League. Now, we've also got Conference League tonight. Uh, In the early kickoffs, we have... Oh, I missed this. Istanbul Besiktas versus Ghent was last night. I thought it was tonight. Ghent won 4-1 and go through 5-2 in aggregate. That's a really good result for them. Gift Urban with a hat-trick and Hugo Kuypers with another. Adnan Yanazai scored the only goal for Besiktas. Four goals in seven minutes. Uh, well, in six minutes, really, for Ghent. That is an absolute walloping that Besiktas won't have been expecting. Uh, so we've got three early kickoffs then tonight. We've got Slovan Bratislava versus Basel, Jurgarden versus Lech Poznan, Sivaspor versus Fiorentina. All decently balanced. The Slovan Bratislava versus Basel is 2-2 from the first leg. Jurgarden are 2-0 down to Lech Poznan, but they're at home and they've been really good in the competition so far. And Sivaspor are 1-0 down to Fiorentina, but have that game at home. Now, they're having a poor domestic season. Fiorentina aren't pulling up any threes in Serie A, but I think Fiorentina will probably find their way through. This one I like. These are the 8 o'clock kickoffs. Alkmaar versus Lazio. Alkmaar 2-1 up from the first leg. Lazio with a lot of pressure here because I think Sarri has has to deliver this season. Uh, Villarreal 1, Anderlecht 1. That one should be a decent enough game. Um, the second leg tonight. Villarreal looking for a bit more history. Obviously won the Europa League in 2021. Champions League semi-final last season. Almost upset Liverpool in that semi-final. And now I would say you're probably looking at them and them West Ham and the two Italian sides, if they all get through as the favourites to win this competition. Uh, West Ham play Larnica tonight. They're two up from the first leg. They should breeze through. And Nice play Sheriff Tiraspol. They're one up from the first leg and should find their way through. 
Uh, all things considered, I think both the Europa League and the Europa Conference League are shaping up to be very, very interesting between now and the end of the campaigns. Uh, let's have a look then at what questions we have. AMK2889, with Firmino confirming his departure at the end of the season, what clubs or leagues would be a good fit for him? Obviously, there are players who should be moved on, other players who should be moved on as well. What leagues would be a good fit for each of them? I'm talking Henderson, Milner, Naby Keita, Gomez, Fabinho, Matip. Right. Uh, for Bobby, I think Syria would suit him. I think the Bundesliga would suit him. He's been there. He knows the league. I think he could do very well in La Liga. Uh, I think you could look at the Turkish League, Portugal, if the money was there to pay the wages. Um, MLS, if he just wants lifestyle, he could go back to Brazil. I think Bobby will have loads of offers. I do. I think Bobby will have loads of offers. Um, Joel Matip, I think the French League or the Bundesliga, probably the two leagues for him. He could go to Serie A. Serie A actually might be the best pick. Slightly slower pace. You could see him fitting in a three in the middle roll or in a four, obviously. Serie A might be the pick for Joel. Uh, for Fabinho, again, I think Serie A is a good fit. La Liga would work either. La Liga would work either for him. Fab will have will have great options if 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 he's moved on this summer. Uh, for Joe Gomez, a fully fit and firing Joe Gomez can play in any league in the world, and he can play for most teams. But the Joe Gomez we've seen this season is someone that needs to be rebuilt. I think that needs to take place in England. Uh, so I'd say Premier League for Gomez. For Naby, pick your league. Naby can go anywhere. It, it's just about fitness with Naby. But he, he'd he be great in Serie A. He'd be great in the Bundesliga as he was when he was there. He'd be, I think he'd be tremendous in La Liga with the freedom he'd have in the middle of the park. Uh, James Milner is contractually not obliged to leave England or not allowed to leave England. Um... Because, you know, when your nickname is James Milner and your full name is James Milner, uh, you just stay in England. So I think for Milner, championship. That's the level he's at now. So, you know, uh, for Henderson, again, he's not going to leave England. No foreign club's going to want him. So, again, it's it's England, Sunderland. Leed, if Leeds go down, Leeds should sign Milner and Sunderland should sign Henderson. Henderson could play for the bottom the bottom few Premier League clubs if he wanted to, but, you know, he should just go back to Sunderland. Sunderland would be would be a good journey for him. Um, Matt JT, what gives you faith Klopp can turn things around next year and beyond with the power he's accumulated his history and the owners Liverpool have? Um... Honestly, I don't know that he can. I don't have a huge amount of faith that he can. But I think he deserves to be given the opportunity. 
He couldn't do it at Mines. He couldn't do it at Dortmund. I don't see why he'd do it at Liverpool. He's making the same mistakes he made at those clubs. I don't have a whole lot of faith that he can do it. I have hope that he can do it. And I believe that he should be given an opportunity. But yeah, that's kind of where I fall right now with, with Jurgen. Um, what are the single best performances from these teams? Uh, okay. Klopp's Liverpool. I think the the 4-0 over United last season is right up there. I think it was I think Liverpool were better in that game than they were in the 7-0 this season. I think the FA Cup semi-final against City, the 4-3 against City where it should have been 4-1 and Dejan Lovren gifted City two late goals. Um Barca, obviously, the 4-0. It's right up there. I'd go that 4-0 over United, though, because I just thought the golfing class was staggering. Absolutely staggering. Pep's City. Oof. They've had some belters. They really have had some belters. Um, let me think. The game where they, they annihilated Liverpool was in that 17-18. Mane got sent off and they just put Liverpool to the sword. That was ruthless brilliance. Um, I mean, they go top that year in week five and just run the table. They lost the 4-3 to Liverpool. They lost at home to United. But that season, like, they beat Liverpool 5-0. The following week, beat Watford 6-0. Then beat Palace 5-0. Then beat Chelsea 1-0 away. And then beat Stoke 7-2. That's a hell of a run. Then they scored four and three successive games against Swansea, Spurs and Bournemouth. They beat Leicester 5-1. They beat Swansea 5-0. They beat West Ham 4-1. City were terrifying that year. Absolutely terrifying. That's, I mean, that's probably the single scariest team the league has seen. De Bruyne, Fernandinho, and David Silva as a midfield three. Sterling, Aguero, and Sané as a front three, and they would flex it into a 4-4-2 with KDB going right and Sané pulling left. They were just so scary. Uh, uh, pick, pick your game from that season. I would say the 5-0 against Liverpool because there was just... 
a ruthlessness to it that you don't see often enough. And they just kept going and going and going for Liverpool's throat. So I'll go with that. Uh, Mourinho's Chelsea. Definitely the first stint. I picture the game as well. I just can't think who they're playing. I just remember Arjen Rotherham going absolutely bananas in a game. To be fair, to be fair, it's Liverpool 1, Chelsea 4 at Anfield. I mean, that's an unbelievable result. That was defending European Cup winner Liverpool. And Chelsea came to Anfield and absolutely slapped the shit out of them. And swearing is necessary. So I'd go that one. Um... They beat Newcastle 4-0. I think that was the game where Robin just kept running through Newcastle. They were that was a scary, scary team as well. Like they went through a league campaign conceding 15 goals. They lost once away to City. A game they should have won. I'll go that 4-1 at Anfield. I think that's yeah. I think that's actually better than than the Robin game. Uh Wenger's Arsenal. There's loads. There genuinely are loads. I would say though the best football they played was oh three oh four. Like they were just, they were on a different level. They were really on a different level. They they made it look so so easy. And no one could live with them. Nobody could live with them. Four one away to Leeds, and Leeds were good at the time. Well, goodish. Was that the Leeds? Was that the year Leeds went down? No, that was that wasn't that wasn't a good Leeds team. Um. Do you know what, though? They beat United 3-1 in November of 2001. Lumberg scored and Henri got two late goals. They were brilliant that day. When they beat United away, wasn't it Overmars scored the winner? That was like a picture-perfect away win in the Premier League. Was that 97-98? I think it was. Yeah, March 14th, 98. They just went to Old Trafford and 
title on the line, Arsenal beat them, go on and win the league. I'll go with that. Uh, moving on, uh, Ferguson's United. Some of the battles they had with Arsenal were just incredible. The thing with 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 Ferguson's United though is like what was staggering about them was how consistent they were and how they just would go and grind out a win and grind out a win and that's almost more impressive to me like a run where you just grind out like five wins in a row to open a bit of space that to me is more impressive than any any single game win that Ferguson would have had Uh, Zidane's Real Madrid Real Madrid. Probably the 4-2 over Bayern in the quarterfinals in 2017 or their final performance. Do you know what? The final against Juve that year, the 4-1. We'll go with that one. Um, Simeone's Atletico. The one that sticks to me is the first leg against Liverpool when they beat Liverpool 1-0, Saul scored. Um, but I think his his best season was 13-14 uh, where they won the league and got to the Champions League final. I would say the 3-1 away to Chelsea in the semi-final. It was a 4-1 at home to Milan. The 1-0 away, the 1-0 away at the Bernabeu. 28th of September, 2013. Costa scores on 11 minutes and it is absolutely peak Simeone ball from there on. And Real dominated. Atleti looked like the team that would score a second goal. Real went on and beat them in the Europe in the European Cup final. Atleti should have won the game. For 90 minutes, it would be that one. Atleti score on 36 minutes. It looks like they're going to see it out. It's bodies on the line defending. It's everything you, you either love or hate about Simeone ball. And... Ramos scores in the 93rd minute and Atleti just collapse at that point. Real score three in extra time. It, it's over and done with. But yeah, it, it would have been that final. That should have been his crowning glory. Um, So we'll go with that one. Uh, Enrique's Barca. Ooh. I, f- I feel like there's an obvious candidate here. I just want to make sure that I'm right. 
that he was the manager. I mean, the 7-0 over Valencia has got to be up there. Largely because it was against Gary Neville, of course. Uh, where is this game? Where is this game? Yeah, he was manager this season. The 3-1 away to PSG, very, very impressive. Neymar and too late from Suarez. The 3-0 at home to Bayern. I think I'll go with that one, the 3-0 at home to Bayern. Neymar scores, Messi gets two. I'll go with that one. Um... Carlos Milan. Let's do Conte's Juve first. Conte's Juve. It is forgotten that Conte led Juve to an unbeaten season. That's often overlooked, that they went 38 games unbeaten. Now, they did draw 15 games, which you know does take a bit of a shine off it. But still, uh, an unbeaten season is an unbeaten season. Um, the 3-0 over Napoli, I, I think, is the one I would lean to, certainly that season. Yeah, I think that's that season. That's the one we'd go for. That was his first season. Walks in the door. Juve had finished seventh. He walks in, leads them unbeaten to the league. Um, The second season, 4-1 over Roma was really good. I'll go that win over Napoli for Conte at Juve. Uh, there won't be much in the way of European games. Carlos Milan. Oh, uh, Carlos at Milan for, what, five, six years? Best results always came. Best performances always came in Europe because he was he was just much more switched on. Uh, the 1-0 away to Manchester United, very, very impressive results. That was in 04-05 as a good United team. Not a great United team, admittedly, but it was a good United team. Um... You know what? Oh two or three. The year they won the Champions League. 
they beat Real 1-0 in the opening game. And I remember thinking it was one of the best defensive performances I'd seen in a couple of years. I'll go with that. I'd need If I had more time, I, I think I could come up with better ones, but that's what we'll go to. Uh, and that's it for questions. And that's it for uh, everything else other than we'll bring in Guy after the break. But we will run through some gossip because I've missed the gossip. Tottenham are not willing to sell Harry Kane in the summer, even if the 29-year-old whose contract runs out in the summer of 2024 does not sign a new deal. Former Spain and Barcelona boss Luis Enrique would be interested in taking over as Tottenham manager if they parted ways with Antonio Conte. Mohamed Salah is strongly considering leaving Anfield. No, he's not. Uh, Argentina midfielder Alexis McAllister is attracting interest from a number of clubs, including Liverpool and Newcastle, and is ready to leave Brighton in the summer. I I think he is ready to leave, but I'm not going to base it on a story by Tom Gott and Graham Bailey. With the greatest respect, lads, you're well-known spoofers. Inter Milan, and, uh, Inter Milan chief executive Beppe Morata says Romelu Lukaku will return to Chelsea when his season-long loan comes to an end. They don't want any piece of him moving forward. Eduard Mendy has held contract talks with Chelsea, but the two sides are not close on reaching an agreement. Chelsea should sell him this summer. Barca are looking to raise £70 million with the sale of Frankie de Jong. He is Chelsea's number one target this summer, but they will battle it out with Manchester United. Uh, this was written by P- Peter Rourke, therefore garbage. Chelsea are not going to sign en- uh, Fre- Frankie to play next to Enzo. That is a stupid idea. Well, to be fair, it is tied Bowley, but I'm not having that one. Manchester United are going to offer Facundo Palestri a new contract before loaning him out next season. Leeds have agreed to sign Barcelona and Spain for Ilias Akamash at the end of the season. That is a very typical Leeds signing. Wolves midfielder Ruben Neves is no longer a target for Barcelona. Okay, Julian Alvarez has agreed a new five-and-a-half-year contract with Manchester United. Newcastle are interested in Kieran Tierney, but Arsenal will be looking for between 35 and 40 million. If he was fit, he'd be worth that type of money. But he's not. He's always injured. It's a shame because he's really, really good. It's a big gamble. Newcastle can afford it, though, but it is a big gamble at that kind of price. Liverpool and Newcastle are racing one another to sign Alan Varela from Boca Juniors. Uh, Unfortunately, this is written by Fraser Fletcher, who is a spoofer. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain are considering offering, offering... Sergio Ramos, a new contract. Uh, They shouldn't. He's garbage. He's well past his best and needs to be moved on out the door. Uh, After six years at Paris Saint-Germain, Canadian international Ashley Lawrence has decided not to renew her contract. She will leave the club at the end of the season. I'm sure she'll have an absolute ton of interest. She's one of the top players in world football. Leeds duo... Wilfred Nanto and Weston McKenney could be involved in a swap deal with Juventus in the summer with McKenney joining... What? McKenney is currently on loan, but Juventus are willing to make it a permanent deal with Nanto going the other way. This is how stupid so many of these outlets are. That they will just publish this crap and think... 
no one will bother to check it. When Weston McKenney joined Leeds, there was an option to buy put in the deal. So Leeds don't need to do anything with Nanto to get McKenney if they want to keep McKenney. Uh, Lee Carsley could leave his position as England under-21 manager after this summer's Euros. And former England players Stephen Gerrard, Frank Lampard and Scott Parker could be considered to replace him. All three of them are awful. And that would be a brainless move by the FA. Scotty Twocoats sacked by Club Bruges. You love to see it. You love to see it. Get your cardigans. Put them away. Put your ego away. You're not a good manager. You shouldn't get another job. Uh, And also, you know, Joseph Bursick. Sorry for your your troubles. Um, Let's move on then to Thursday's. That's yesterday's gossip. This is today's. Lionel Messi will be offered 220 million. (laughs) 220 million euro a year to move to a Saudi Arabian club when his PSG contract, oh my God, ends in the summer. 220 million euro a year. Uh, Julian Alvarez, yada, yada. Paul Pogba wants to stay at Juve, despite playing only 35 minutes in Serie A this season because of injuries. Uh, No one else will want him, so he's going to be there as long as his contract is is running. Xavi Hernandez has spoken, spoken to Ilkay Gundogan about joining Barcelona in the summer. Um, Borussia Dortmund may offer Julian Brand a new contract to fend off interest from Arsenal Tottenham. If you get your money back on what you paid for him, take it because he's been a big disappointment over his time there. Cash in on the decent season he's had. Manchester United could make a £105 million move for Randall Colo Muani. Eintracht signed him for free. For free. Chelsea are interested in Manu Kone. He'd be a great fit next to Enzo. Chelsea are open to selling Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'd imagine they are. He's not very good. West Ham are considering a move for Werder Bremen and Germany striker Nicholas Fulkrug. Um, That would just be pointless. Newcastle, Aston Villa, Wolves and Leeds are all interested in signing Rafael Guerrero when his contract at Borussia Dortmund runs out in the summer. Harry Winks has not been contacted by anyone from Tottenham, including Antonio Conte during his spell at Sampdoria. Fulham are monitoring Paris Saint-Germain's 20-year-old midfielder, Edouard Michu, who is on loan at Sunderland, looks a talented player. Uh, Italy midfielder Marco Verratti is considering his future at Paris Saint-Germain after recent criticism, but the club have no intention of selling him. Uh, Karim Benzema has agreed a new deal with Real Madrid. Smart, smart for everybody involved. England manager Gareth Southgate is set to add Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank to his backroom staff to replace Chris Powell who is leaving to focus on his job as head of Tottenham's academy. Um, I mean, Jimmy's managed a little bit. He has. Uh, he had some, you know, mixed mixed success. Uh, if we look at his managerial record, it might not have it here. 
No, doesn't have his managerial record. Uh, so he was Royal Antwerp manager, uh, led them to seventh in his one season, and then left. Uh, took a few months off, joined Burton Albion. Did very well at Burton Albion. Credit to him. Earned the QPR job, lasted less than a year and got sacked. Uh, joined Northampton, lasted less than a year and got sacked. Went back to, to Burton Albion. It was an absolute mess. And he walked away blaming other people for his inability to uh, right the ship, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, mixed success for Jimmy. Uh, Chris Powell is someone I do like. Um, he did he did a, quite a good job at Charlton when he was there as manager. But it, he, you know, was hit and miss with Huddersfield. Uh, so the end, I think, went went badly. Yeah, sacked by both of them. Um, he was assistant manager at Derby for a while. Yeah, outside of the spell at, at Charlton, with, where he did well, uh, winning League One, uh, he hasn't done particularly well. But a decent coach, and by all accounts, doing a good job with Spurs. Uh, but I think Jimmy's probably a step down. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll have Guy, and we're, we are going to rattle through, and I do mean rattle through, this weekend's Premier League games, of which we have seven. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, we have seven games in the Premier League this weekend. Uh, Liverpool versus Fulham is postponed. West Ham versus Manchester City is postponed. Or actually, Manchester City versus West Ham. And Brighton versus Arsenal, also postponed. Uh, It struck me, as I said, we'll rattle through the seven games, that we also have four FA Cup games uh, and we might as well do predictions on them as well. So, Mr. Drinkle, sir, how are you? Liverpool aren't playing, so I am super duper dear. How are you? I have never looked forward to a weekend of football more. Liverpool are not playing. They can't ruin my weekends. Ireland are playing in the rugby, so that'll be fun. I can watch that uninterrupted by any Liverpool-related nonsense. Um, so I'm I'm chuffed, guy. guy. Absolutely chuffed. That is the right word. Um, I do not have an FA Cup tab open, so I don't know if there's a game before this, but we'll start with the Friday night game, and that is Forest against Newcastle. Uh, We know Forest a much better home team. Newcastle Mm. did get a win the other weekend, um, but we don't know how long that'll last. Um, This should be an interesting game. Should be. Should be an interesting game. Like you said, Newcastle finally got a win uh, last weekend against Wolves. It wasn't the most emphatic of victories but a victory is a victory uh whereas forest uh, were busy getting their bums kicked by uh tottenham the second time in two weeks they've had their bums kicked because though three weeks three weeks two weeks two weeks because west ham did it to them as well they did get a draw it is a three weeks i don't know what's wrong with me it's it was three weeks west ham kicked their arses they drew with Everton and then Spurs kicked their arses. Um, Friday night, under the lights, the city ground. I do kind of 
feel like this is a game Forrest can get something from. Um, Newcastle have no Jolington, no Anthony Gordon, no Ryan Frazier, who's training with the 21s for some reason, and Emil Kraft is, is out for the season. Forrest have, of course, all the injuries because they're Forrest and that's what they do. Uh, Willie Bolly out probably for the season. Scott McKenna out for another couple of weeks. Awani for a couple of weeks. Coyate for a couple of weeks. Chris Wood for a couple of weeks. Dean Henderson for a couple of weeks. Gustavo Scarpa has gone back to Brazil because someone scammed him out of a million quid. Uh, Wayne Hennessy is injured. Brennan Johnson had a knock, but they're hoping he's okay. Biancone is out for the season. And Omar Richards, I, I don't know what's going on. He arrived with a stress fracture in his leg and hasn't played all season. Um, money not well spent. Um, Morgan gives White's in really good form. If Brennan Johnson plays, he'll cause Newcastle trouble. I think I'll go for a draw. I'll go 2 2. Yeah, yeah, I think that'll be fun. Obviously, that is on tomorrow night. I almost said tonight because I'm used to this on Friday. I did check the first FA Cup game is uh Saturday evening, so we can rattle through the three o'clocks. Uh, so first up, Aston Villa against Bournemouth. Bournemouth obviously beat um, fellow uh, relegation rivals Liverpool last week. Um, and Aston Villa, I can't remember because football didn't exist after half 12 kickoffs last weekend, Dave. No, I just kind of gave up on it all. Aston Villa drew 1 1 away to West Ham last week, uh, which wasn't a bad result for them. Um, Bournemouth are awful. They're awful. I don't care that they beat Liverpool. They are absolutely shocking. So Villa are going to win this game. Uh, we go into this game. Bournemouth have a few injuries. Stanislas, Zerbani, uh, Tavernier, Hamid Traore and Adam Smith all expected to, uh, to miss out. They might get lucky and get one or two of them back. Villa, no Coutinho, then Donker and Bubakar Kamara, they're hopeful he's going, they're both going to be back. Uh, Jed Steer is out and nobody cares. Um, Villa are going to win this game 3 0. Couldn't find the mute button. <laughs> uh, moving on, we've got Brentford against Leicester. I mean, Leicester, meh. Who cares at this stage? Whereas Brentford uh, didn't see any highlights yet, but um, obviously won last night. Mm. Um, one of the better teams in the league so far this season. Um, but Ivan Tony against that defence should be fun for them. Yeah, Tony with the likes of Mbomo and Wisa and uh, Shade and Keen Lewis Potter, you know, those pacey wide players, any combination up front with Tony will cause that Leicester backline trouble. Uh, Brentford also quite good at scoring from set pieces. Leicester atrocious at defending set pieces. Leicester were, uh, to be kind, pathetic last weekend against Chelsea. Uh, Brentford lost to Everton last weekend, which was a really poor result and a poor performance, but then bounced back and got the win over Southampton at the weekend. Uh, Leicester, no Justin, no Tielemans, no Christensen, uh, no Woot Faze, no Ryan Bertrand, and no Yannick Vestergaard. 
uh, for Brentford. Lewis Potter's actually out. Strakosha, another week or so, he should be back. Roarslev should be back for this one. Uh, Vitaly Yanol picked up a knock, so he's he's almost certainly out. We're going to go for the Brentford win. We're going to go 3-1. Ivan Tony to score at least one goal. I like it. I like it. Uh, Southampton against Spurs, the two most random teams in the league. Um, albeit Southampton becoming less and less random as they get closer to the championship. Whereas Spurs, um, I'm not sure if it actually works out this way because it might be more random than I think thought, but are, are they one of those ones who simply do not do away games? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, Tottenham have just been really strange this season, like you said, but they still find themselves fourth in the league. And they're only two points behind United. Admittedly, United have a game in hand, but United also have no Casemiro for the next four uh, domestic games. So, you know, they'll they'll drop some points. Uh, Tottenham's away record this season. They are sixth in the away table and fifth in the they, home table. So they are fourth, obviously, in both. Yeah, they've won five, drawn three, and lost five. They've got a negative goal difference away from home. They've lost four at home. Like they've lost nine league games and they're fourth. I mean, that this league is awful. Awful. Like if we look at the league, just to do a little tangent for a second. Credit to Arsenal. Top of the league, five points clear. Great. City have been. By, the, by City standards this season, City have been poor and they're still comfortably in second place. United are bang average. United got got slapped 7-0 by a bad Liverpool team and they're third. Tottenham have been awful this season. They've lost nine games and they're fourth. Newcastle have, have won one game in like eight and they're fifth. Liverpool have been trash, and they're sixth. Now, I will give Brighton and Brentford credit. I think they've done really well. I think Fulham have done really well. But you've got a a garbage Chelsea team this year as well. And everybody below Aston Villa, so Crystal Palace, Wolves, Forest, Everton, Leicester, West Ham, Bournemouth, Leeds, and Southampton, could all easily go down. And that's not because the league is strong. It's because the league is really poor. There are nine teams there that could go down and nobody could make an argument that they didn't deserve it. Nobody could make that argument. This is this is one of the weakest seasons of the Premier League. It just is. And the fact that Spurs are fourth, I think, is probably the biggest highlight of how how poor it's been because they've been really poor. Now, they are playing Southampton. And Southampton are, to be kind, dreadful. This manager does not look like he has much of an idea what he's doing. Yet um, still better than Nathan Jones. <laughs> yet, yet he is still better than Nathan Jones. That is worth saying. He is still better than Nathan Jones. In fairness. He's, he's got two wins. He's got two wins against Chelsea and Leicester, and he got a point away to United, which was a good point. Now, admittedly, against 10 against, men. Against 10 <laughs> men. Um, 
by the highlights, I think like Man United were probably the more threatening team. Yeah, they were, to be fair. Yeah. Um, this would be such a Spursy game to lose. Such a Spursy game to lose, but I'm just, I'm not having it. I'm going to go for the Spurs win. We'll go 2 1. Harry Kane against Bednarak. I mean, it's shooting fish in a barrel. Bednarak just, he's gone way off a cliff in the last couple of years. We'll go 2 1 to Spurs. A weird player, and he wants to look quite good. Um, but anyway, we will not go on a Bednarak tangent. That is even worse than Steve Bruce tangents. Um, Wolves against Leeds, probably the. I haven't even seen what's on Sunday. Yep, I'd say this is the most important one of the weekend. Um, somewhat of a relegation six-pointer, even though I think Wolves uh, probably just out of that race now. Or certainly out of the fear, it's for it anyway. But uh, what do you make of this? Obviously, Wolves improved uh, under Lopetegui nice and steadily. Mm-hmm. Did lose to Newcastle at the weekend, but no shame in losing to Newcastle. Uh, beat Spurs the week before. But Liverpool, good point at Fulham and lost to Bournemouth. I think the loss to Bournemouth the only bad one there, to be fair. Um, but probably a win, and then you could probably put them in that Villa category, maybe. Depending on how results go yes, around them, yes, yes. yeah, possible. But, I mean, you have to remember, Wolves have lost 14 games this season. They've lost over half their games this year. Mm. Like, that's dreadful. Wolves, Everton, Leicester. Leicester have lost 16, 16. games. <laughs> 16 games. Uh, West Ham have lost 14. Bournemouth, Leeds, and Southampton. Like they've all lost at least 14 games. Half the league has lost 10 games. Half the league. And Chelsea and Spurs have lost nine. Liverpool have lost eight. That is woeful at this stage of the season. Um, I am going to say that Wolves win this game because Leeds... I, I I don't know. I, I think they've made a mistake with with Gracia as well. He just, mm. whoops. He just um, like they looked so lifeless last weekend for big stretches of that game against Brighton that I just don't know that I I trust what he's doing there. Now look, maybe he's just going to grind out enough points to keep them up, and maybe that'll be enough. You know, get draws, pick up the odd win. But I do fancy Wolves to win this one. I'll, I'll go. I'll go two one to Wolves. I was looking at last season. Oh dear, this season the lost record for everyone is appalling. Um, good lord. Anyway, I am on the wrong tab. Who have we got next? Uh, Chelsea against Everton is technically before the FA Cup game, so we'll do that one. Um, Chelsea. I- T- turned around is too strong a word, but they are winning games against bad teams. Mm. And they scored, t- they scored more than one goal in both of the last two games, which is a huge, huge improvement. Yeah, they seem to have found something with... Well, not Kai Havertz as the striker, seemingly, mm. <laughs> which, God, who, who would have guessed that one? Um well, 26 games into the season, they finally have a positive goal differential. That is plus one. Mm. Um, they've scored 27 goals in 26 games. And when you consider how much they spent on, you know, attacking players and such over the last couple of years, that's that's fairly shocking. That's fairly shocking. Um, but Everton are, are not good. 
Um, they did get a good win over Brentford, but they're not not a good team. However, Sean Dyche might just have something up his sleeve to shithouse's way. And yes, swearing is necessary to shithouse's way to result here. Everton, no Andros Townsend, no Calvert-Lewin, no Patterson. Uh, Chelsea have loads of players that are injured or a doubt. Brogia, Silva, Aspilicueta. Notice they've gotten better since Thiago Silva went out of the team and they're more attack-minded now. That's mm. not a coincidence. Um, Mount, James, Mendy, Sterling, and Aubameyang are all doubts. Kante is still working his way back, and it'll take a while. It wouldn't surprise me if Everton got a draw here, but I'll go with the Chelsea win. I'll go 2-1 to Chelsea. It wouldn't surprise me if it ends 1-1, though. You could have finished that original sentence just saying Chelsea have loads of players, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, no, that's also fair. Yeah. Um, first FA Cup game, because we'll mix them together. Man City against Burnley. Um, Vinny Company going home. Mm. Um, also Burnley under a transfer embargo, which happened whilst he were off ill, uh, ill, injured. We'll call it injured. We'll stick with football. So that's probably something that could be interesting if they do get promoted or when they get promoted. But uh, anyway, for this game, uh, well, Man City... This probably goes up in terms of priorities because obviously the Premier League's not in their hands. The Champions League's not overly strong apart from Real Madrid and Bayern, Bayern Munich aren't in a, they're in an awful Bundesliga season. Mm. So that would probably take care of itself if they avoid Real. Um, so yeah, I think the FA Cup's probably, and they're probably still obviously the favourites, you'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I uh, they're they're also very much trying to set up an all Manchester FA Cup final, yeah. <laughs> which is which is quite clear. Um the Burnley transfer embargo, we'll we'll talk about that maybe next week, but it is an interesting little wrinkle in their season. But obviously Burnley are running away with the championship. Um they are currently thirteen points clear with nine games to go. So Burnley are going to be in the Premier League next season. Um, City are second in the league. I still think they're going to win the league, largely because Arsenal have to go to City and they have to go to Anfield. And I think City will will potentially run the slate. Um, I'll go for City to win comfortably, but I think Burnley will put up a, a bit of a fight for the. It depends if City score early. I could see it being a, a heavy scoreline, but if if Burnley can keep it close to like sixty. I think City probably run out 2-0 winners. Otherwise, it could be like 5-0 if they score early. But I'll go I'll go 2-0 to City. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. Should be an interesting game, though. I will not watch it. <laughs> uh, anyway, what's on first? Well, you might watch it because your other option, if you want to watch a game at that time, is Chelsea Everton. I will tell you what time the F1 is on, dude. F1 schedule. So that'll be the alternative in my household. Uh, five o'clock. Okay, it might be on. Um, it's a qualifying. It'll be on that day, I should say. But anyway, uh, FA Cup games uh, are on before the next league game. So we'll stick with Sheffield United against Blackburn. The... I like this one. I do yeah. like this one. Second in the championship versus fifth in the championship. Uh, nine points separating them. 
United, Sheffield United have had a little bit of a wobble lately. Mm-hmm. They've lost two of their last four. But they are a good team. They play some good football. Enjoy is fantastic up front. Um, Amos Hodzic is, is really good at the back. They work really hard. They're a team of grafters. But Blackburn are just a bit mental. And John Dahl Thomason plays an interesting brand of football. I'm going to go for Sheffield United to win the game because they're at home. Uh, but I think it'll be a good game. I'll go I'll go 2-1 to Sheffield United. We are due Blackburn back in the Premier League at some sometimes. Sometimes we have to have. Like they're 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 one of an exclusive group of clubs that have won the Premier League. Like mm. it's not a long list. You've got United, you've got City, you've got Chelsea, you've got Arsenal, you've got Liverpool. You've got Leicester and you've got Blackburn. There's only seven clubs have won the Premier League. And I do think we need Blackburn back in the league. And they do seem to be, if they can maybe tone down the mentalness, maybe it might be next year more than this year, but a mental team always does well in the playoffs. If playoffs, yeah. That's the thing. Like As things stand right now, Middlesbrough would play Millwall and Luton would play Blackburn. I'd back Blackburn to beat Luton in the playoffs, in, in the two-legged semi-final. And then if it's a one-off game against Borough, Borough are the better team. Borough bottle playoffs as well. But Borough have a little bit of a track record. And remember as well, right, this is the same Borough team. Now, with a couple of additions in January. But this is largely the same team that was garbage last season and was garbage at the start of this season and got Chris Wilder the boot. Well, they weren't garbage last season. I think they finished, what, one spot out of the playoffs, but they weren't good last season. But they were awful to begin this season. And Carrick has gone in and worked wonders with them, but there's still a lot of residue there of not being very good. So, yeah, Borough could easily fall apart in a one-game playoff. Yeah, I think Carrick's brought in some new, the younger lads as well, so that might give something fresh, but I think you are right. Some of the Lads who have been there a bit too long, uh, maybe past their sell-by day. But anyway, um, Brighton against Grimsby. And Brighton, we mentioned in the league, they've been one of the better teams in the league. But this is a really good opportunity because I don't think they have the best record against Man City. But say another team beats Man City in the semi-final mm. or whatever. Even if it is City, Brighton have been that good this season at a big occasion. We've seen City... They'll have no fear. Yeah. They'll have no fear of them. Uh, if ideally what happens here is the draw pits the Manchester clubs in yeah. the semi final and Brighton get the winner of Sheffield United. I, like, first things first, Brighton should win this game comfortably. Yes, yes, yes. Grimsby are multiple divisions below them. Credit to Grimsby. This has been an unbelievably good cup run for them. But Brighton should win this game comfortably at home. They are the better team. They've got by far the better players. They should win this game comfortably. Ideally, what happens from there is City draw the winner of United-Fulham and potentially slip up in that semi-final because they have to rest players for a league game and a Champions League game and whatever else. Because I think Brighton can beat either United or Fulham in the final. Mm. Um, and I think they'd beat either the championship clubs as well. If Burnley go... and Fulham win, this will be such a good tournament to watch as well. <laughs> oh yeah, this would be amazing. If if the semi if the semi finals were Burnley 
Sheffield United, Brighton and Fulham. I mean, that's that would be brilliant. That mm. would be absolutely brilliant. And there is a world in which Fulham beat United, and we'll come on to that game in a bit. But yeah, Brighton, I think I'm gonna go four nil to Brighton. I think I think they just they'll have too much. Their style of football is just oh, it's it's phenomenal to watch. They've got Colwell back now, Stupinen's in great form. The midfield, Caicedo's been unbelievable in recent weeks again. Alexis has been tremendous. Pascal Grouse is playing great football. The two wingers are in great form. Um, Solly Marching and Matoma. And obviously up front, Evan Ferguson's had a good a good season uh, for, for an 18-year-old. And Danny Welbeck against, you know, opposition like Grimsby should be able to score a couple of goals. So uh, it, it is all looking upwards for Brighton. Um, I, I'm going to go 4-0 to Brighton. Yeah, it is a mark of a great manager who can get even like, I know you're not a fan of Lallana, I know you might be honest, but making him more youthful than he was. Even yeah, Graham 100%. 100%. Yeah. He's fe- There's no player in that Brighton squad, bar Robert Sanchez, who has been worse under Deserby than they were under under Potter. They're all either playing at the same level or better. Sanchez is the only one that struggled because of what the manager demands. And, I mean, it does speak volumes of the fact that he's playing Jason Steele, who, with the greatest respect, is not good enough to be starting for a Premier League team, let alone one of the top seven teams in the league. Jason Steele was at Borough for a long time, as you know, uh, was at Blackburn. He's a lower league goalkeeper. He follows Tony Mowbray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But you look at, like, he'd never played in the Premier League until he joined uh, Brighton. Then he sat on Brighton's bench for three years, played five games, all in the domestic cups, Last season, he played four games, one in the league, three in the cup. This season, he's played nine games, which is as many as he had in the previous four seasons. He's played three Premier League games, which is three times as many as he had in his entire career. And that kid's been knocking around. I think he made his debut in like 2009 for Northampton Mm. on loan from, from Borough. Like, he's been around... He hasn't been very good, but you know he's a solid championship keeper. But he's not a, he's not a standout championship keeper. He's not one you ever looked at and thought, "Oh, a Premier League club will snap him up." But he's done really well since coming in for for Brighton. A big part of it is what he's able to do with his feet. And uh, yeah, credit to him. Like it's it's good to see. But I, I think that's an area Brighton will will look to address in the summer. I think. I think they'll sell Sanchez. I think they'll get good money for him. And I think they'll look to bring in a goalkeeper that more suits what Deserby wants. Welcome to Chelsea, Roberto Sanchez. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Would not surprise me. Because he was Potter's big discovery from their kind of yeah. you know academy reserve team. And Potter loves him. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if that's where he ends up. I do not see it, but anyway, we will move on to Arsenal Crystal Palace. Now, Dave, obviously the game itself, it's not that interesting because Arsenal should just win, to be honest. Yeah. Vieira, speak to me. Is he in bother? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, 
They've been very, very average this season. No, sorry. They've been below average this season. Let's be fair. They've been below average this season. Uh, There's a lot of talent in that Crystal Palace squad. They've recruited really, really well. But tactically, things have gone stale this season. Um, He's you look a favourite to go, by the way. Next, is, next is he, manager to go. He's next manager to go favourite. Yeah. He's 10 to 11, David Moyes, Conte, Brendan, then no manager to leave for the rest of the season. It's a surprise that Conte... Like the, here's the thing, right? Conte is third favourite to go next. Now, I, I assume part of that is that he could just quit himself. Yeah. But the fact that he's under more pressure than Klopp speaks to the expectations among the fan bases. But Crystal Palace have not won a game of football this calendar year. Their last win, New Year's Eve, a 2-0 win over Bournemouth. Since then... Six defeats and five draws in the league. Dumped out of the FA Cup in the third round at home by Southampton. So seven defeats and five draws in their last 12 games. Like, that is shocking. Absolutely shocking. And I know people will look at the league table and say, oh, they're 12th. Yeah, but they're only three points outside the relegation zone. Now, admittedly, they have a significantly better goal difference than Bournemouth, but they're only four points ahead of Leeds, and Leeds have a better goal difference than them. I think Vieira's in a bit of bother here. Now, this wouldn't be the first time. If we look at what Vieira did when he was manager of Nice, he started really well, and then things went really, really stale. He had a good first season. He had a mediocre second season and he got sacked in the third season about halfway through. First season he finishes seventh. To be fair, actually, I've done him a disservice. The second season he finished fifth, so I have done him a disservice there. But the following season he got sacked midway through the year because of a run like this where things just went really badly and he couldn't turn things around. And he got the heave ho. So I don't think they'll sack him mid-season, but I wouldn't be surprised if they move on at the end of the year. It's a shame it's just not working out. There's too much attacking talent there to have only scored 21 goals this season. You'd look at the lineups that he's putting out. Like, let's just look at last night as an example. So in goal, he's got young Whitworth, who he's been forced to call up. Uh, the kid is 19, forced to call him up because of injuries. Right back, Nathaniel Klein. Now, he doesn't have much choice because it's Klein Award and neither of them are very good. Anderson, Gwehi, Mitchell. Fair enough. Sambi Laconga. Okay. Ducure, he's he's really good. He needs to calm down with the tackles. But, like, he's picking Jeff Schlupp. You've got Eze sitting on the bench. You're already playing two defensive midfielders. Why is Jeff Schlupp in the team? Eze needs to be starting every game. Olise, 
Edward Zaha, fair enough, but Edward's not scoring goals. Mateta would offer a bit more in terms of work rate, hold up play, link play. You could have just played Zaha through the middle and played Eze on the left. Like he just he's stuck in a rut picking certain players. It was good to see him not pick AU for a change because that fella's offered absolutely nothing for seasons on end. But he still brings him on on 70 for Michael Elise. That's still his like go-to. It's just bizarre, bizarre decisions. A lot of managers do this, though. They get sucked in by older players who, you know, follow every every instruction, but... The Milner, <laughs> Milner rule. Milner, Henderson, the Firmino, to an extent. It's the same, you know, you see it all over the place. Um... I, I don't think he'll get sacked before the end of the season. Unless they get walloped a couple of times, then they might. But as we know, if they get dragged back down, maybe it's changed with the American lads, but we know their managerial history and that yes. all, of, all of them are available. <laughs> oh, you imagine Big Sam back to save the season. Um, he has unfinished business there. <laughs> going into this game, no Sam Johnston and no Gaeta, so the same keeper is going to have to start. Uh, no Nathan Ferguson, that poor kid just can't can't get catch a break. Uh, no MacArthur, he's missed most of the season. Um, they're hoping Will Hughes could be back, which would help. Um, Arsenal, no Enketia, and El Nenny's done for the season. Arsenal should win this game. Like they should win this game comfortably. I'll go three 0 to Arsenal. Uh, whilst on Arsenal, I know you've angered Arsenal fans in the past, but do you think it's changing? Do you think they're becoming favourites yet, or are you still solid on solid on City? <laughs> no, I'm still I'm still solid on City. I I don't think City are going to run away with it now. I thought they would. I thought they'd win it by ten points. But Arsenal have stuck about. They've you know they've beaten the teams that they had to beat. Um, like I said before, I, I think the league is just really really weak, mm. and. I think that's the biggest factor in why they are where they are. But, you know, you look at the fact that they've got 66 points from 26 games. That's like the eighth or ninth best return ever. And, you know, there's been loads of better teams than this Arsenal team. So, again, that just speaks to how weak the league has been. But I look at Arsenal's fixtures and you're home to Palace, you're home to to Leeds. They're two wins. You go to Anfield, Liverpool will get up for that one. You go to West Ham, they're going to be desperate and potentially could have a new manager by then. Home to Southampton's a win, but then it's City away. I think that's a defeat. Chelsea home. I know Chelsea have been really poor this season, but it wouldn't be a surprise if Chelsea got themselves up for that one. Then you've got to go to Newcastle. Then you get Brighton at home. That's going to be really tough. The, the last two games are favourable in Forest and Wolves. But I look at one, two, three, four, five. I think there's six games there that Arsenal could potentially lose. And if they lose three of them and drop points in one other, like if they lose to Liverpool, City and Chelsea and draw up at Newcastle, I think the city. The, I think the title goes to City because I don't think City are going to drop many more points. Um, it, look, fair play. They're they they're they're doing well. They are where they are. 
But the biggest factor is how weak the league is. Like this is this is an appallingly poor league. This is as bad as when Leicester won the league. That's how weak the league is right now. Now they're a better team than Leicester. Let's be clear on that. They're a better team than that Leicester team that won the league, but the league is really weak. Yep, as one of the weak teams, I can agree with that. Uh, we have one more FA Cup game, which is United against Fulham. Um, Fulham seem to have slowed down a bit. Otherwise, I think Fulham could cause issue. We obviously know Mitrovic against um, their back line. Uh, I get, does Casemiro's ban go into the FA Cup or is it just Premier League? I think it's both. I think it's all domestic games. So right, okay. This this will count as one. Paulinho against whoever Fred McTominay fun could be fun the big thing here is can Fulham take advantage of the one big advantage they have which is that they've got Mitrovic and United of Martinez and if they can get service to Mitrovic in the air he can absolutely dominate now I I don't know that United are going to start Martinez in this game I wouldn't be surprised to see either Luke Shaw or Maybe Lindelof starts at centre back and Malashi at left back if if it's show. Um, United are at home. United are a better team than Fulham. Neither of them are up to much, but I'm going to go two one United. I think that's that's where I'll fall on that one. Yeah, probably get a couple answers if there's any rotation in the Europa League tonight, won't we? So keep an eye out if you're actually interested. But I think that's the last game, dear. Was I missing anything? I don't think I am. Nope. Last game. And that will do us for today. A a very long podcast, but it has been a while, so you'll forgive me. Uh, Nothing tomorrow because it's St. Patrick's Day, but from Monday, we'll be back and uh, we're going to run through the end of the season. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we get a good end to the season. So we'll see you Monday. Have a good weekend. Hopefully I'll be happier on Monday. Hopefully... Ireland will have won the Grand Slam and putting them to the sword and we'll have had lots of good football without Liverpool to to ruin it on me. So take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.